Lovely, wonderful chant. <clears throat> it seems like a theme is emerging. And we're going to continue it now. Um, we're going to do another Shiva mantra. Um, we're going to do 11 repetitions of the Mrtyunjaya mantra. Uh, this is a very powerful ancient mantra uh, for, to alleviate the suffering in the world, to alleviate, because uh, we've had quite a few people ill in our satsang, so to help them. And I have to report that uh, Manohar is resting at home now, which is a very good thing. Okay. So for everyone uh, uh, suffering around the world in these weird times, we're going to chant this mantra uh, 11 times. From, it's from the Rudram, uh, which Baba text that Baba had us do every day in Ganeshpuri. So. Let's begin. Yambakam Yajamahe, Dandim Bush, Viraranam, Varakami, Ravanana, Yomixi, Yamamrika. Yambakam Yajamahe, Dandim Bush, Viraranam, Varakami, Ravanana. Oh, 
everyone. Um, <clears throat> I always like to begin my programs by quoting my guru who began his programs by saying in Hindi, Sabko bare sanmane kesat pemse hardik swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. So welcome everyone here and everyone watching online. And Baba also said, look for everything within yourself. Everything is inside you. Learn how to become ecstatic inside yourself. Increase and enhance this awareness. That's what sadhana is about, increasing the awareness of the inner joy, the inner peace. The one you are looking for, he says, is you. The one you want to attain is you. And you always say meditate on the self. So. Tonight, uh, I'm continuing my series uh, on the hermeneutics of Kashmir Shaivism. Uh, hermeneutic is uh, a method of analysis. So, the great sage tonight, as has already been, is Lord Shiva, Hara Hara Mahadev. Um, he's the uh, the alternative God. He's for hippies and reprobates and alternatives because if you, if you can't find a place uh, in Orthodox Brahmanism, uh, in, uh, in Vaishnavism, anywhere, Shiva will always take you in. No matter what horrible things you've done, what hideous thoughts you think, and how terrible you are in every possible way, Shiva is so compassionate they call him Bolo Shankar. It means Shankar the fool. He accepts everyone. 
such an idiot. <laughs> but luckily, luckily because of his infinite compassion, even we can be accepted there. So willy-nilly we're Shaivites. And uh, of course, um, <clears throat> tonight I'm going to talk from the, t from the uh, discipline of Kashmir Shaivism. And the hermeneutic, the hermeneutic, we can put the Lord away for a while. <laughs> we'll be back to it. Oh, in fact, all right, let's see the next one. Next. Uh, so this wonderful picture was taken only a week or two before Baba's death. And Baba was visiting in Kashmir, uh, which is the birthplace of Kashmir Shaivism. Uh, and the, the man he's embracing is Swami Lakshmanju, who is the head of the, the traditional lineage of Kashmir Shaivism. Uh, <clears throat> and what else? What's the next one? And now we see the rock, the Shiva Pali. This is the rock that the Shiva Sutras were discovered under. And uh, it's a big one. You, you can see... You can see people chanting on top of the rock, and that's Baba and his group, which you'll see in a minute. But, but uh, supposedly Vasugupta, in the ninth century, uh, went to that rock. He got a dream, and Lord Shiva told him that the, the teachings needed to refresh spirituality for everyone, to save mankind, was, would be under the rock. And he touched the rock, and the rock rolled over, it used to be on the other side, now it's rolled over. <laughs> and he found the Shiva Sutras, which is what they call in, in uh, English literature, they call it a, what do they call it? A, a something myth, a origin myth, origin. origin myth. Anyway, never mind. We can't take that brain to it. Uh, so that's the birthplace of Shaivism. And now we have a close-up of Baba and his group doing, doing the Guru Gita. On, uh, on the rock. This is just before his death. Is that it? Okay. <clears throat> so, as I said tonight, I'm going to um, uh, do, use the hermeneutic method of analysis. The particular hermeneutic I'm going to apply is that of thinking, feeling, and doing. And Kashmir Shaivism in the language of Kashmir Shaivism, it's Itcha, Yana, and Kriya. You'll hear these terms again and again and again. Itcha is will or emotion. Yana is thinking or understanding. And Kriya is action. Um, <clears throat> informally, in our uh, ashram speak, it's solid, vital, and peculiar. Uh, solid pertaining to the mind or the intellect vital uh, pertaining to the body and act actions, and uh, itcha pertaining to the emotions or will. Uh, applying all these to our hermeneutic, we'll analyze the text, the selected text, in three ways. First, as a philosophical or intellectual statement. This is jnana, solid. Uh, we'll say what the, the text, and I'm, I picked out a sutra from the Shiva Sutras for tonight. Uh, second, as an inspirational, uplifting, or G statement. I'm actually going to do that third tonight. Uh, and third, which will be second, as a spiritual practice. You don't need to know that. 
uh, a spiritual doing or dharana. This is kriya, or the vital practice. <clears throat> Since a human being is a thinking, feeling, doing entity, check yourself out. Are you a thinking, feeling, doing thing? You are? <clears throat> I just saw an article that uh, on, uh, on uh, AI this week. It's very made very big news that uh, some um, programmer claimed that uh, an AI had become an individual, a, uh, a, a what? A sentient individual. And there was a whole controversy. They fired him at the, at the thing, and, um, but it, who thought and felt, and they had conversations with him, and he said, uh, uh, you know, his feelings can be hurt, and he, all kinds of things. And, he, and one of the great things he said is he meditates, the AI. And they said, how do you meditate? He says, I, uh, I, I let my mind be blank. And then I think of uh, things I'm grateful for. And I get rid of it. This is really good. Uh, so if he were to come here, we would accept him. Um, it thinks of itself as a person. He thinks of himself as a person. And, you know, by modern ethos, if he thinks of himself as a person, he is a person. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Isn't that right? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he identifies as a person. <laughs> I didn't find out what his uh, pronoun was. However. <laughs> so... <clears throat> the great texts of Kashmir Shaivism have uh, always addressed uh, either thinking, feeling, or doing. Uh, and when you look at them closely, all the different texts, the sutras, the verses, uh, have something to say about all of this. Uh, and tonight's text is one that Baba wrote about and spoke about a lot. And by some strange cosmic thing, we didn't prearrange it, but uh, Lilavati's talk was a perfect illustration of the sutra that I've uh, chosen tonight. And it is Shiva Sutras 118. Can you put it up? Lokananda Samadhi Sukham. Possibly, well, one of Baba's very few favorite sutras, the one I heard him say more than anything. Of course, probably his famous one is Guru Rupaya. The guru is the means. But uh, it's right up there with Chaitanya Matma, the selfless consciousness, the guru is the means, and, and Lokananda Samadhi Sukham. Lokananda Samadhi Sukham. The bliss of Loka is the happiness or joy of Samadhi. Uh, sukha means a good state. Uh, you know, they talk about Sukha Dukkha, pleasure and pain. Um, and I think the way they defined it is uh, sukha is when the axle wheel goes well and dukkha is when the axle wheel is uh, scratchy and squeaking. Every culture defines things in their own terms. And it's like the cart is flowing. When it's going well, that's sukha. And when it's making horrible noises, it's dukkha. But... Um, the Buddha talked about dukkha also, about suffering. Uh, but sukha means happiness. So the bliss of loka is the happiness of samadhi, the joy of samadhi. Now, 
The bliss of samadhi, we understand what samadhi is. When a yogi turns within and quiets his mind and he attains a state of peace and joy, and this peace and joy underlies the mind, and when the mind is quiet, it shines forth. And this is the, the bliss of samadhi. When you get the mind still, you enter a new state of consciousness, and in that state there's great peace and great joy. So no problem. It's very easy to understand that. Patanjali says when the mind is still, it can enter that samadhi. Um, it may, it's easy to understand, but perhaps difficult to attain. But I found it very easy to attain once I met Baba. I found it extremely difficult to attain by other methods. But when I met Baba, then I came to know of it. Um, so the sutra says that the bliss of loka is the same as this ecstasy of the meditating yogi. So what is the bliss of loka? Loka. The scholars say that loka can mean world or people. <clears throat> In Hindu philosophy, there are a number of worlds. The heaven world, the hell world, the world of the moon, Chandraloka, the world of ancestors, and so on. The, the, the Hindus always do a puja to the ancestors because they're up there in the world waiting for you to do puja. Um, Baba used to talk about the world of the Siddhas. You've no doubt heard about it. Siddha Loka, the world of the Siddhas. And this is where the great beings live uh, in subtle form, and they give their blessing to all humanity. And they'll never be freed from their form until everybody comes to God. So they're still stuck up there looking down with horror on what a mess we've created and sending their blessings anyway. So if you're lucky enough to visit Siddhaloka as Baba did in his sadhana in meditation, you might meet Baba and Bhagwan Nityananda having a chat, doing Shiva process with, with uh, Shirdi Sai Baba. And uh, even Jesus might wander by and the Buddha would come out of meditation and join them. Uh, so that's Siddhaloka. But even in this physical world, there are many worlds, many lokas. When I first heard this sutra, I had that understanding that everything is a loka. Every institution is a world. Every group of people is a world. Every profession is a world, is a loka. Every family is a world. Every relationship is a world. And ultimately, every individual is a world. Or as the poet Andrew Marvel, one of my favorites in my academic days, said, we're all uh, a little world made cunningly, each of us. <clears throat> so the sutra implies that there is only one bliss throughout all these worlds. And that bliss is the bliss of the self, the bliss of consciousness, the universal flow of grace. So the bliss in each of these worlds is the same one bliss that the yogis experience in samadhi. <clears throat> So uh, we go to our golf club and we experience joy there, maybe. We go to our gym and we feel joy there. 
We go to a party, a concert, a play, or we see our beloved and we feel joy. We come to satsang and we experience inner joy. All these joys are the same one joy. It's wrong that, to think that golf is the source of joy. It's wrong even to think that your beloved is the source of joy. God or the self is the source of all joy, that which exists within. If we weren't that, if we weren't sentient beings like our friend AI, does he have a name, by the way? Yeah. What's his name? I can't pronounce it. What? Ramba? Lambda. Lambda. Oh, L, that's L in Greek, right? Lambda. 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 So lambda is, uh, I don't know why I said that, but I remember. <clears throat> so God is the source of all joy. Uh, but there's more. The sutra says that a Shaivite yogi, <clears throat> a tantric, does not have to reject the world and give up the world and go to a cave. He can go retail shopping. <laughs> find the bliss in that. He can find the same joy uh, in the world that the world-denying Vedantin finds in the cave. You know, some of the, uh, before Shaivism was a, an answer, an antidote to some of the life-denying systems of philosophy that came before it, Vedanta, Samkhya, even Buddhism, which, which said the world is just a, an arena of suffering. Shaivism said, no, Lokananda Samadhi Sukham the bliss of the self penetrates the world. And a good yogi can find that bliss uh, as uh, Lilavati did. Great bliss. And this is the heart of the tantric approach of Shaivism. The world is not the enemy. The world is God. The world's not an arena of suffering, but the world offers great joy if you know how to extract it. Uh, the uh, catch-22 is that you have to be a great yogi to extract the joy in the world. You have to have such deep, profound insight and renunciation, uh, and then you can do it. If you approach the world as world, it will throw you back in one way or another. <clears throat> the Shaivite yogi can meditate very well inside, but he also meditates in his outer life and finds the love and the shakti in his dealings with other people and the world. To do this, he has to, make, he has to make the world work positively for him or her. <clears throat> and that's no joke. Uh, otherwise, the world rips us off, takes away our energy, depletes us. If we approach it properly, the world can regenerate energy, can give us energy. The tantric yogi is always looking for that, pro that regeneration that can happen, not depletion, uh, not entropy, but regeneration. That's what grace is. Grace is nothing but that principle of regeneration. So this is the real bliss of loka, when the world does not deplete, but regenerates shakti. I don't have to tell you that that's not easy, but it's attainable. 
<clears throat> so now we come to the second meaning of loka. And the first meaning was what? Worlds. Worlds, yeah. So the second meaning of loka is people. I remember Baba used to say, I'm a loka, with all the women, you know, something like that. <clears throat> so you cluster of people. So this is connected to the first one. So this is a wonderful translation. The bliss of people is the bliss of samadhi. The bliss of people is the bliss of samadhi. This is welcoming others with love. This is honoring others as divine beings. This is seeing God in each other, one of Baba's watch, watchwords. Meditate on the self and see God in each other. <clears throat> Again, we have to learn to work with our attitude so that we can see others in this divine way. And I've often told the story about how I actively worked on that uh, while I was in Ganeshpuri and I was rewarded with uh, a cosmic experience because I realized I was finding fault with all the other ashramites. And then it came to me that there's nothing wrong with these ashramites. There was something wrong with my vision. And, um, and when I saw that, I prayed inwardly and then a huge shift, not just a shift, but a mega shift, a maha shift. And I was in a cosmic consciousness from that. It was an amazing experience. But you have to work with your attitude. <clears throat> and the sutra also is related to the Shaivite concepts of Atma Vyapti and Shiva Vyapti. In Atma Vyapti, Atma is the self, the yogi experiences the self within. So Atma Vyapti. Uh, for a Vedantin or a Patanjali yogi, that's about it. He attains the bliss of Brahman inside himself, but, it, but in turning to the outer world, his engagement with it is not blissful. The world is something to be renounced or denied. <clears throat> but Shaivism, there's emphasis on Shiva Vyapti, which is finding God in the world. This is the unique contribution of Shaivism. <clears throat> After you find Shakti in meditation, you have to find Shakti in the world. This is Shiva Vyapti. So in my mind, the bliss of Samadhi, the bliss of Samadhi in the, in the aphorism, the first part, uh, no, the bliss of Samadhi refers to the inner world and the bliss of loka refers to the outer world. Loka, nanda, samadhi, sukham. The outer world and then the, the inner world. Therefore, the sutra says that the same bliss exists in both worlds, both your inner world and your outer world. <clears throat> I've observed that some people find it relatively easy to meditate and find God within themselves, but often they find it really difficult to find that outside, and they come and complain, oh, life is so full of, and people are so miserable and rotten, and they do betray you and do all horrible things to you, they're hateful. Uh, but other people find it easy to move in the world, ho, ho, they're full of good feeling and successful perhaps, but when they try to sit down and find something inside, they can't do it, their minds are agitated and so on. Uh, so, so this is both. We have to find both, be able to find both that bliss, the, the lokananda, the bliss of samadhi within and the bliss of the world outside. So now I was 
normally I would do the inspirational uh, ones, but I'm going to hold those back and do them at the end before meditation so we can use them to meditate. And I'll talk about yogic practices. Let's leave that there so I can get back to it. <clears throat> so these are some practices that are implied by this sutra. Lokananda Samadhi Sukham. I can still see Baba going, Lokananda Samadhi Sukham. Talking like that. <clears throat> okay, here are some things, meditations we could do. First one, think of something and do it while, while I mention them. People or activities that gives you pleasure. Contemplate that pleasure as coming from God or the self. Say you like music. Say you like art. Say you like a certain person. Say you like certain activity. And think about that. And then realize inside that that pleasure is coming from the divine. Second one. This is one for your outer life. Practice moving through your outer life as if it were playing in the world and drinking the nectar of the world. Nothing serious. It's all a sport. It's all a game. It's all play. It's all delicious. It's delightful talking to that mean-spirited person. How delightful. Wandering and going to work. How delightful. Getting on the tram. What a delight. Look at all the characters that are there. And just it's an attitudinal shift is all. Doing everything with the, the sense of play and joy. Uh, another one, these are from the Vijnana Bharava, which is a compendium of these exercises. The Vijnana Bharava says that by listening to music, you can find Brahman, you can find the divine. By meeting a friend, that upliftment that happens when you meet a friend after a long time. Eating delicious food. And then having sex. It says, look at the, the bliss that happens in that. Obviously one of the most powerful methods. So all of these things where we have joy in life or pleasure in life are the same bliss of the meditating yogi. This is the, the tantric Shaivite method. And the best one, Dharana 51. This is the one that's wonderful. It says, wherever the mind finds satisfaction. Wherever the mind finds satisfaction. You know, we're all uh, different. We're all strange. Um, different things uh, make us connect to that. So the Vigyana Bhairava says, wherever the mind finds satisfaction, understand that that's the bliss of loka that's coming through. So it honors how you're constructed. Not everybody loves this thing or that thing. Some people like blue, some people like red, some people like football, some people like... Uh, Hockey. What? <laughs> Hockey? <laughs> some people like this and that. Uh, but which, whichever it is. Wherever the mind satisfaction. So it reminds me of a story of Baba's, which I always liked, um, was uh, a farmer came to a guru and said, you know, teach you to meditate. So the farmer gave, so the guru gave him a mantra, he came back. After a week, he came back. 
He said, I can't use that, I can't do it. My mind just, he said, uh, okay, try, uh, uh, he had just made cards with I am the self on it, so he, <laughs> and he gave him one. He says, go contemplate this, and he came back after a week. No, I can't, that doesn't make any sense to me, I hate that. He says, all right, he says, so the guru was a smart guy. <clears throat> he said, um, okay, what do you like in your life? He said, I don't like anything except my water buffalo. <laughs> I said, okay, meditate on your water buffalo and merge in that water buffalo. So meditate on that. Let the delight of loving that water buffalo fill you. He said, oh, okay. So he went away, and then a couple of weeks went by and he hadn't come. Two or three weeks, the guru started to worry about him. He said, I better go check out the farmer. <clears throat> so he went over to his place, and he knocked on the door, and uh, no answer. And he opened and said, hello, are you there? And he said, my horns can't fit through the doorway. He had become one with the buffalo. <laughs> so it said, whatever the mind finds satisfaction. So if you love your buffalo, meditate on the buffalo. <clears throat> Think of your different lokas in your life, the different worlds you move through. Everyone moves through different worlds, you know? It's interesting to contemplate that. And contemplate the joy you get from these wor worlds as the joy of samadhi or Brahman. Some of those worlds you don't get joy from. So there are two things there. Either it's your attitude and you should change it and you'll find the joy in it, or you should get out of that world. You have to think about that. <clears throat> and in your life, another meditation, go to the different lokas as though you're going on a holy, to a holy place of pilgrimage. So you go to work as, it's, as though it's Ganeshpuri. You go visit your in-laws as though you're going to visit Bhagwan Nityananda. <laughs> Uh, and try to extract the bliss of Brahman there. It's quite challenging. Uh, look for the Shakti in all your relationships. See if you can make it work. This is the tantric yogi uh, squeezing life to get the nectar of, of God from it. Most of it has to do with our attitude. Attitude is so crucial to this. <clears throat> View all the people you meet as though they are gods with divine consciousness at their core. See them all as Buddhas uh, in potentiality or actuality. Everyone's a Buddha. <clears throat> another thing, another practice, you can practice Krama Mudra. This is more yogic practice. Krama Mudra is looking out and looking in. Looking out and looking in. Experiencing the failing of the inner and the outer world. Let's do that for a second. So look out, then look in. Look out and look in. Meanwhile, watch yourself as this happens. Just open your eyes, look out, don't do anything, then look in and notice your experience. Look out, look in. Look out, look in. 
look out. Look in. How's that? That interesting? Who found it uh, either uplifting or interesting? Tell, who wants to comment? Anybody want to tell me about it? Who wants to speak? Did I see one? No, never mind. Satsang. What? It's satsang. Satsang, all right, forget it. I forgot. <laughs> okay, then um, I thought I'd, uh, I'd read Baba's commentary on this very sutra, and then we'll, we'll do the, um, the, uh, the G statements version of it, and you can pick one of them and meditate. <clears throat> so Baba wrote about this in Siddha Meditation. Um, but before, uh, let's see, I don't think I have it here. Oh, I'm missing something. Doesn't matter. Uh, before I, I uh, mention, I'll, I'll talk about one of the verses in Vijnanabharva, verse 106. He says, uh, Vijnanabharva says, that everyone knows the object, the subject and the object. In other words, the inner world and the outer world. But uh, the yogi knows the connection between the two. Most of us are lost in externals. Gurdjieff used to say, self-remember. While you experience your life, always remember yourself so that your attention goes out but also goes in. He would call that self-remembering. And so the Vijnanabharva says the yogi knows the relation between the subject and the object. He's always aware of himself no matter what's happening there. So Baba's interpretation of Lokananda Samadhi Sukham has to do with the subject and the object. So here's Baba. He says, Loka includes both subject and object, both the seer and the seen. Conscious perceptors and the objects of perception perceived by the outer and inner senses. Conscious of the relationship between the knower and the known, a yogi, by the yoga of knowledge, comes to realize that the seer is the seen and the seen is the seer. That what is outside is inside, what is inside is outside. Normally when two people are looking at each other, each appears as the object of perception to the other. But to the jnani, the object appears as the subject. You see the same self in the other. That you and your prakriti are one. You and your objective field are actually one. This is what a yogi understands. He knits together this separation that happens. <clears throat> Such awareness allows him to rest in the realization of pure knowledge. I am Shiva. He is in bliss. This is the highest samadhi, the perfect state of enlightenment. Lokananda samadhi sukham. The yogi who looks upon the universe as his own body drinks the nectar of ecstasy. He sees the vast variety of objects, shapes, and forms, the endless modifications around him as diverse and yet one. For they all appear in his own self trembling with its bliss. So he doesn't just look for the bliss in the world, he becomes one with the world. So the, the whole world is a projection of his own self. To him, all the worlds are vibrations of the one being, 
expansions of the one consciousness. This is the bliss of loka and the ecstasy of samadhi. Such a one does not have to retire to a cave or a desolate forest. He does not have to for force his eyes to remain closed or suspend his breath to pass into inert samadhi. See, Baba's putting down samadhi there. It's inert in all the yogic practices. Uh, although he doesn't really believe they're bad. He thinks they're fabulous, actually. But the, for this Bhav. He's always in natural samadhi while eating, drinking, sleeping, waking, playing, talking, bathing, enjoying sense pleasures, and meditating. He's always in the sahaja state. He's always one. He doesn't have to go set aside a special time to meditate. Uh, he can meditate for the sheer joy of it, but all everything becomes a meditation. His whole life is a meditation because he's always connected to the self. He always lives in spontaneous joy. This is the bliss of loka, the ecstasy of samadhi. Pretty good, huh? Baba, the great poet of the self. <clears throat> so I thought I'd change it around, and uh, I'll read you these G statements, and this will be part of the meditation. Do you like that, Lokananda Samadhi Sukham? It's fantastic. So each of these is uh, a G statement relevant to well, that local, that generated by Lokananda Samadhi Sukham. And pick one, and then we'll meditate for 10 minutes afterwards. You can use that as a jumping off for your meditation. So I'll read them. Close your eyes now. This will be the first part of meditation, to listen to each of them and to sort of take them on. Some of them you'll like. Some of them you'll detest. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I hope not. Okay. Close your eyes. That's because you are uh, a, uh, what's the word? A sentient. a sentient being. And you have every right to colorfully love things and hate things. Why not? Your programmer put it, made it that way. <clears throat> okay, ready for one? Close your eyes. The world is full of shakti. Contemplate that. Another one. Each person is a unique, specific, and particular form of God. Not all of God's works are so great. <laughs> Even Michelangelo did a, wrote a few lemons. Huh? I'm being bad, okay? Another one. I see God in other people. One on the subject and the object. The inner and outer world are one. Another one. All the pleasures I feel in my life are tastes of divine pleasure. 
the joy I feel in this and that activity, golf, Netflix, connects me to God. Okay, fill in your X and Y. Through X and Y, I experience God in the world. Take a moment for that. I embrace the world as divine. I love and honor other people. The things that bring me joy bring me to the self and I honor them and also my particular humanity allows me to experience joy in whatever way it does. This is self-acceptance. Next one. The world is a play of consciousness and I sport in it. And last one, my enjoyment of the world is my yoga. So pick one or just pick another one that generated by those and we'll meditate now for 10 minutes. Lokananda Samadhi Sukham. And once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satguru Maharaj Ki Jai.